The deputies looked ready to haul someone off to the insane asylum. One of them spoke up. His raspy voice echoed throughout the concrete and steel cell. Smith, let's go. You're riding out this morning. As soon as the deputy finished speaking, one of the older inmates whispered to me, Oh boy, son, you's angling up the river to the castle. I made out the word river and maybe castle before another inmate nicknamed Whiskey spoke up. Now, Whiskey wasn't an alcoholic. They called him that because he was from Wisconsin. Man, what you talking about, D? You know this white boy ain't no nothing you saying. Whiskey was right. I was lost. D was from Detroit, was about as nice as they come, but the combination of his old-school Ebonics and few teeth, along with my white ears, made it difficult for us to converse. Well, actually, D and Whiskey called it conversating. Whiskey, who was now serving as my Ebonics interpreter, broke it down for me. Boy, listen. Heading up to the river to the castle is inmate talk. It means you about to leave for Jack Prison. About to take off to the big motel. I couldn't even process what he was saying. A wave of emotions engulfed my mind and I was disoriented. In my heart, I already knew what the guards were here for. Before I could reply to Dee and Whiskey, the deputies told me to step out into the hall with my hands behind my back. One of the deputies did a quick body frisk to make sure I didn't have any weapons and then shackled me in ankle and hand restraints. I shuffled to the intake garage to be seated in the police transport cruiser, feeling as though I was on a long walk to the electric chair, the beginning of the end of my life. Once seated in the back seat of the cruiser, my eyes became fixated on the restraints. I stared at the keyhole in the cuffs, unable to reconcile that I was reduced to nothing more than a chained criminal with an indefinite life sentence. I did my best to redirect my thoughts, but it wasn't working. To compound my already unstable emotional state, the day before I received a letter from my attorney discussing liquidation of my assets and informing me of a bankruptcy hearing. Raven and I had accumulated a massive amount of debt from the twins' three-month hospital stay, and our other credit card bills were stacking up too, especially since I was incarcerated. I was broke physically and spiritually, and now I was headed off to live in hell on earth. I didn't know how much more I could take. My mind was overwhelmed by fear and extremely low self-esteem. I wasn't suicidal, but I was in a dark place that I wouldn't want for my worst enemy. An animal in a cage. The deputy drove out of the intake garage onto the open road. Moments later, the sun pierced through the darkness, glancing off of colorful autumn leaves. It was certainly a welcome change from the drab concrete, steel bars, and grungy masculinity. I studied the vibrant landscape to capture a mental image, because I didn't know the next time I would see as much color again. While staring out the window, we slowly passed a family in a minivan. One of the children saw me and tapped his mom's shoulder in front of him to get her attention. When she saw me, they all gawked and laughed like I was a caged animal in a mobile exhibit. To them, and to society, I felt like nothing more than a life lesson of what never to become, a laughing stock and a failure. I looked away, feeling extremely small. Controlling my emotions There was ample time to collect my thoughts and emotions on the hour-long drive to prison. Still, Nothing could prepare me for what I saw once we arrived at the massive prison complex.